0: Hey, we're in Matthew chapter 24, 15 through 22. We're going to be talking about the abomination of desolation. And you're going to be learning that there's a difference between the first half of the tribulation and the last half of the tribulation. The last half is called the great tribulation. And there's a reason that it's called the great tribulation. It doesn't mean there's not a lot of mess going on in the first half, but there's a specific reason. And you will learn that today as we go through our teaching. Please stand as we read the word of God together. We honor God by standing when we read his word. Matthew 24, starting in verse 15. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. When those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and... To those who are nursing babies in those days, and pray that your flight may not be in the winter or on the Sabbath, for then there will be great tribulation such as not been since the beginning of the world, until this time, no nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved, but for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. This is the word of God. God. Our Father, we thank you for this time that you've given us to study. Your word, your message to us, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would speak through me to your people, and I ask that each person here would have a receptive, open heart, and just for a moment of time, may we put everything else in our world off to the side as we focus on what you have for us today. This is a special time, a time when our God speaks to our hearts individually. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. The theme of Matthew is Jesus is the promised king. We've said this week after week after week. You should never forget there is a kingdom coming. And Jesus will be reigning in that kingdom. And that's always good news. Jesus is giving the Olivet Discourse. It's the fifth discourse in the book of Matthew. It is the fifth sermon in the book of Matthew. And it's telling us about what to expect in the end of days, the last days, the last time of life, as disciples ask us, what will be the sign of the end? what will be the sign of your coming and if you remember, he then gave several things in, in the beginning of Matthew, starting in chapter uh, twenty four verse four he lists these things, and these corresponded with the with the sealed judgments that we see in Matthew chapter sixteen Now these were the be- we saw the first part of this as the beginning of of uh, sorrows birth pangs that's the first half of the tribulation now, i have a picture here of the four horsemen of the apocalypse you've seen this in many different versions but the rider on the white horse with a bow this represents the antichrist or the antichrist system and he comes and he brings peace to the earth and this guy looks like a wonderful terrific guy and everybody's going to fall all over themselves for him but very soon war will come followed by war as famine and pestilence and then the pale horse, or the chlorophyll-colored horse is death. And we know that in, in, the, in the fifth seal that billions of people, one-fourth of the planet dies. 1.5 billion people die, and Jesus says this is birth pangs, the beginning of sorrows. It's not the real deal just yet. Now, let me digress for just a moment, because most people don't understand where we're at with the uh, Tribulation period, what the tribulation period really means. God had given the nation of Israel 70 week years, 490 years. When they came back from Babylonian captivity, they had 490 years to accomplish what they were supposed to accomplish. The last thing on their agenda was to receive Messiah when he came. They rejected the Messiah. And when they rejected Messiah, time stopped for the Jewish people. It stopped at the 483-year mark. We've had multiple charts on this, multiple pictures on it. I didn't put any up because we've been there many times. But I do want to give you the verse that is absolutely key. It's Daniel chapter 9, verse 24. It is the 70 weeks prophecy, and it says this. Seventy weeks have been decreed for your people and your holy city. These are 70-week years, 490 years to do several things, six things in particular, to finish the transgression, to make an end of sin, to make atonement for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Had they received Messiah, all of these things would have been done. They rejected him, time stops for the Jews. And then we have what's called the church age. The next 2,000 plus years have been the church age. There's a gap here between the 483rd year and that last seven weeks what gets us to 490 years so the 70 weeks prophecy are for a specific people the nation of israel your people the nation of israel your holy city jerusalem and again it is to accomplish six things that you're going to see come up on the screen right now number one to finish the transgression Jesus dying for the sins of the world, had they believed in Messiah, this would have happened, they wouldn't have gone into this tribulation period, to make an end of sin, to make atonement for iniquity, this is all what Jesus would do, to bring in everlasting righteousness, now Jesus did these first three, when he died on the cross for all of humanity, but to bring in everlasting righteousness, folks, that's talking about the kingdom coming, the kingdom coming, to seal up vision and prophecy, See, when the king comes, there's no reason, there's no more prophecy, there's no more visions, he's there, it's all this right there before your eyes, and to anoint the most holy place, that's the millennial temple from which Jesus will be reigning, so we need to understand this, now let me ask you a question, now hopefully everybody's going to get, a, get an A on this question, are you ready, are you ready, here it comes, who is the focus of the 70th week? It is Israel, good job, good job, Israel, Israel. Why? The church is gone. And I believe that the church has been raptured or taken away before the tribulation period. Now, remember what the tribulation period is. It's a terrible period of time. The worst in the history of the world. We'll see it more as we go into our teaching. The first four sealed judgments are the four uh, four horsemen. The first three and a half years of the 70th week. The first part of the tribulation, again, are called birth pangs. The beginning of sorrows, Jesus said. The beginning of sorrows. Now, if birth pangs are the beginning of sorrows, what follows birth pangs? Hard labor. Hard labor. So number two, the great tribulation is hard labor. The last three and a half years of the week is called the great tribulation. Now, Thomas Constable, in his work, Dr. Constable, has a picture, has a slide for this. It's going to come up right now. Now, what he says in this, talking about the tribulation period, that seven-year period of time, at the, at the end of the days, at the last days, at the end of days, the first half, the first three and a half years, are the beginning of birth pangs. The second half, the great tribulation, now please note what he says here, because this is very important to be able to delineate this, the time of Jacob's trouble. Folks, that's code word for Israel, hard labor, hard labor birth pangs. Something significant has happened to Israel. So keep that in mind. Now, I have a question for you. Now, you do the best you can to answer this question. Why is the second half called the Great Tribulation? Certainly, the first half was as awful as you could possibly get. I mean, one-fourth of the planet is killed. Well, during the Great Tribulation, the Antichrist is killing every Jew That he possibly can. And tribulation believers. But his focus is on the Jews. It wasn't like that in the first half of the tribulation. He wasn't focused on killing the Jews. Remember he came as a nice guy. He came as as someone would give favor to the Jewish people. Many tribulation saints will die in the first half of the tribulation. Revelation chapter 6 verse 9 talks about the souls under the altar that were praying and crying out to God, slain for the word of God, for the testimony which they held. Why were they slain? If the Antichrist isn't killing these people, who's killing these people? See, most people, when I'm doing my read through this, I'm thinking this is the Antichrist. I do not believe it is the Antichrist that's doing this. I believe it's the great harlot. It's that one world religious system that we're going towards today that ends up slaughtering tribulation saints not the jews it's not the great tribulation yet slaughtering tribulation saints tribulation believers it seems to me that the first half of the tribulation the one world religion the great harlot is killing tribulation believers in mass why do i believe that revelation chapter 17 verse 6 says this i saw the woman Now, you're going to say, woman, what what does that have to do with this? Well, the woman is is a picture of Israel, excuse me, it is a picture of Israel, but it's a picture of also this great harlot, this religious system, drunk with the blood of the saints, with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. The great harlot's focus in the first half of the tribulation are believers, not Jews. Jews were safe. Antichrist was protecting the Jewish people. He has that peace covenant. He's the nice guy to the Jewish people. In the second half of the tribulation, the thing called the great tribulation, Antichrist will target Jews, and if he can't get to them, he'll get the tribulation believers. If Jesus did not return, every Jew would have died and probably everybody else on earth. In the great tribulation, The last three and a half years, we saw in our teaching last week, the last three and a half years, the followers of Messiah and the Jews will be hunted down. Antichrist will be hunting down anybody related to God. Those who dwell on the earth will turn on believers. Remember, we saw that turning people in. We saw people being turned into COVID. They got turned in in Nazi Germany. People reporting in Islamic countries or in China that somebody's worshiping God. Turning people in is very common. We also saw last week that lawlessness will mark the great tribulation. We see lawlessness today, but it's nothing compared to what's coming. We know that the tribulation saints must endure to the end, must endure to the end, and we know in the great tribulation there'll be a phenomenal witness that goes out to tell the world about Jesus. And there'll be a massive revival, a massive harvest of souls in the, in the tribulation period. The 144,000 will go out and witness. We have the two witnesses in Jerusalem that will be all publicized all over the world. And then we have finally an angel in Revelation chapter 14. Isn't this the strangest thing in the world? Flying around with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that goes to every tribe, tongue, in nation on earth there will be no place that does not hear about Jesus now this week the abomination of desolation and by the way when you think about this great effort of god to get who he is to the people of this earth it is really god's desire that none should perish but all should come to repentance he is a god that wants to save so this week the abomination of desolation what is the abomination of desolation that is the question Well, the false prophet, there's going to be a guy that rises up. He's going to be the false prophet, Revelation chapter 12. He has an idol built of the beast, built of the Antichrist. He places it in the temple and demands that the world worship the beast. Folks, that's the abomination of desolation. Worship of the beast, worship of the satanic system. The abomination of the desolation, I want you to think about this, really is one of the pivotal things that starts the Great Tribulation, the abomination of desolation. Now, there are several things that happen in the middle of the Tribulation. People have these in different orders. You go to prophecy teachers that study this all their lives, they will have different orders for this. This is the order I put it in. Not exactly like Arnold Fruchtenbaum, not exactly like Mark Hitchcock, not exactly like Andy Wood's. But this is the way that it at least appeared to me. And they're not all agreeing with each other. So it's just, it's just, these things happen as a buildup. Number one, in the middle of tribulation events, satanic warfare will occur in the heavens. Strange stuff, strange stuff. I'm going to end this talk talking about strange stuff. All of this tribulation stuff is strange to us. So in the middle of the tribulation, satanic warfare, Revelation 7, 9 says this. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail. Nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast to the earth. Remember we're doing our study here. That was thrown with violence. He got kicked out of class. He got kicked out of school. He was thrown down. He's in study hall now. He's in probation. He's on earth now. Not yet. He's got to be kicked out yet, but this, this is coming. The great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Folks, this happens in the middle of the tribulation. See, Satan still has access to the throne of God right now. He has to give an account of himself right now. But in the middle of the trib- tribulation, in his hubris, in his arrogance, he will try To usurp by power and overthrow the throne of God. And he will be kicked out of heaven. When he's kicked out of heaven, so secondly, Satan is kicked out of heaven, he's thrown to the earth, he makes war. Now listen to what he does. He makes war on Israel. That's his first thing. Folks, this is the Great Tribulation, the war on Israel. Revelation 12 13 through 17 says this. I will exposit this later. You will hear this exposited later. Antichrist's goal again is to kill every jew that he possibly can to exterminate the jewish people remember if he exterminates the jews it's always been through history he's tried to kill them they cannot plead for messiah to return nor admit their national sin of rejecting messiah they have to do those two things they will do that at the very end of that seventh week that 70th week that that seven years Now, Mark Hitchcock, in his book, The End, has this to tell us about the nation of Israel. He says this, quote, The history of the Jews is a history of expulsion from one country after another, and that has happened to these people. When Satan gets the upper hand, the Jews are in trouble. Satan's fury against Israel will last for 1260 days, exactly three and a half years, according to Revelation chapter 12.6. That's the Great Tribulation. God will supernaturally protect Israel from Satan's onslaught. Satan will use the Antichrist as his primary tool for carrying out his extermination plan. Isn't that interesting? Now, watch this. Now, we know because we've studied the word that God will provide an escape for his chosen people. Those who know what this abomination of desolation is, they are going to know to run. So where is their escape? Their escape is Petra, Petra in the Greek, Basra in the Hebrew. We've been through this before. Now, there is a place in Scripture that tells us there is a place where Antichrist is going to be forbidden to go by God. His armies can't go in there. Maybe he's influencing these areas, but his army can't go in there. And this is where the Jewish people go. Daniel chapter 11, verse 41, he says this, he will also invade the beautiful land. And many countries will fall, but these will be delivered from his hand. Edom, Moab, and the leaders of the Ammonites. Now I have a slide here that'll slide up right next to you. This is this is Israel. This is the Mediterranean Sea, Egypt, Lebanon. And by the way, right now in Lebanon it is his Hezbollah, Hezbollah has Tens of thousands of rockets pointed at Israel can hit any place in here. And Israel is preparing right now, if you listen to Amir Sarfante, to a, deep, a, a preemptive strike in Lebanon. So stay tuned. Things are heating up here like you can't believe in Israel. But back to our point here today. This is Jordan. And in Jordan, you have Ammon, Moab, and Edom. And down here in Edom is a place called Petra basra they will know when they see the abomination of of desolation here run for your life down here to petra that'll be your safe place so god says this is off limits there will be a time in the tribulation now listen to this one where the antichrist will have a head wound die and be resurrected an impossible thing but it will happen. Revelation 13, 3. And the world will be mesmerized. Watch what it says. And I saw one of his heads. Now this is the beast system. The, that ten nation confederation. The Antichrist being the 11th. And I believe this head that is wounded is the 11th. The Antichrist. As if it had been mortally wounded. And his deadly wound was healed. And all the world marveled. And what happened? They followed the beast folks this is the this is the resurrection to copy the resurrection of christ more in just a second to give credence to what i am saying revelation 17 8 says this listen up the beast that you saw speaking of the antichrist that you saw was he existed and is not dead and will ascend out of the bottomless pit, will be resurrected. This is telling us that this event will happen. God will allow the Antichrist to resurrect, excuse me, God will allow Satan to resurrect the Antichrist. And you need to know that the Antichrist, and I think most of you do know this, is the counterfeit son. Arnold Fruchtenbaum helps us with this. Watch what he says, quote, "'As the true father gave his authority to the true son,' So the counterfeit father, Satan, will give his authority to the counterfeit son, the Antichrist. And I believe it is at this point when this resurrection occurs that Antichrist is possessed by Satan. Satan is thrown out of heaven, and at this point, this, this resurrection occurs, and he possesses the Antichrist. He then turns on the one-world religious system, who has who has persecuted the saints? He hates this system and he wants all worship to come to him, all worship to him. So he kills this system. The two witnesses will be put to death in Revelation eleven seven. A false prophet will rise up with authority of the first beast, and in Revelation thirteen three or thirteen eleven and twelve, he has the image of the antichrist, the abomination of desolation placed in. The holy place. This fulfills the satanic trinity. Now, you know that there is a real heavenly trinity. Now, to give credence to the heavenly trinity, Satan is copying what he knows to exist in heaven. See, a lot of people have trouble with the trinity. Satan has no problems with it. He's trying to copy it. So we have a slide here that's coming up. The holy trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, complex unity, Three persons, one God, complexly united. Satan is copying what he has seen in heaven. So he is the father. Antichrist is the false son. And then the false prophet, of course, is the false Holy Spirit. Now, they're not God, of course, but he wants the world to think that he is really God. And people will buy into this. They will think, I think the strong delusion that we see in Second Thessalonians chapter 2 is that the people believe that the Antichrist is the Christ, the earth dwellers, and they will fight against the real Christ. So with that, we start our te- teaching today. This is introduction. <laughs> so anyway, 15 through 20, the abomination of desolation, 15 through 20. Jesus is warning. Now, remember, this is, when's this all going to happen? The end of time. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, this is actually going to happen. Spoken by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. There's a responsibility for people to hear, to read, hear, understand, put in action. Let him understand. Then let those who are in Judea, gives the warning to what to do, flee to the mountains. Let him who's on the housetop, taking it easy, not go down to take anything out of his house. Let him who's in the field working, not go back to get his clothes. Woe to those who are pregnant, those who have nursing babies. And then pray that your flight, that be in the winter or on the Sabbath. Why is that? You'll find out in just a second. So the abomination links, now hear this, links breaking his covenant with Israel. Remember, he has this covenant that he's made with Israel. To, to taking over the entire world. Never forget, this guy rises to power slowly. He looks like a good guy. He will mesmerize the world. Most people will be deceived and fall all over themselves. They will want to follow this guy. He is the beast, and the, the beast will force worship on this world. The Jewish people are very familiar with Daniel, They're very familiar with the abomination of desolation. And when they see this thing happen, they know that's their code to exit stage left, to flee as fast as you can. Now, I want to go through one more time Daniel 9.27. Daniel 9.27 is the thing that talks all about the tribulation period. Then he, Antichrist, will confirm... Confirm a covenant. Confirm is gabar in the Hebrew. It means to strengthen, make stronger, prevail. In other words, there's a covenant already in place that he puts his stamp of approval on. And his stamp of approval enhances the likelihood that that covenant will will work out. A covenant with many for one week, that's seven years. But in the middle of the week, the three and a half year point, He will bring an end of sacrifice and offerings. What does he do? He turns on the Jews. He's turning on them. He wants to kill them now. And on the wings of abomination shall he make, he shall be one who makes desolate. He's going to be a killer, the Antichrist, even until the consummation or the end of his actions, which is determined, God has already determined when he's going to die and be done with is poured out on the desolate or the desolator. The Antichrist will meet his Waterloo at a specific time in the future. He will go for so long and not a moment longer. Antichrist will sit himself in the temple demanding to be worshipped of God, as God. And I think this sitting is in the Holy of Holies. Why do I believe that? Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 2 and 3. There will be a slide that comes up. Now, this is one of the great debate slides in prophecy, whether the tribulation is pre-tribulation or it's mid-tribulation or whatever tribulation. This is one people go by. Let no one deceive you by any means. Remember, there's going to be all kinds of deception that you're living in now. It's accelerating now as we go forward. Let no one deceive you by any means for that day. What day is that? That's the day of the Lord, folks. The day of the Lord is, when, is that time frame when Jesus is taking back planet Earth. When that first seal judgment gets opened out of that six seals, boom, boom, boom. That starts, that's the day of the Lord. That's the day of the Lord. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. So, the day of the Lord will not come unless the falling away comes first. Now, I believe that's the great apostasy of the church. That's the end-time church that stops following God and makes up their own way, their own religion. We see that today. Started with the seeker-friendly movement. Now we have this progressive Christianity. Now we have churches that don't look any semblance like the real church, but they claim the name of Jesus. Folks, this is happening today, the great apostasy. Now also, I must add this, there are more and more prophecy teachers today that believe that the apostasy, and they do a lot of word, uh, I don't want to say word gymnastics because that sounds degrading, but word applications to the word apostasy and claim that this is the rapture of the church. I'm not there yet. Maybe next year I'll be there. I don't know, but I still, I believe it's the apostasy. And when I talked with Jason, he said it could be both. The, the, the rapture of the church and the church existing at the time falling away, the Laodicean church. So the man of sin is revealed, the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed. Now when is the Antichrist revealed? It is not at the beginning of the tribulation. It's at the abomination of desolation. That's when he's revealed for who he really is. The son of perdition who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshiped so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. God that's what this guy does and i believe he places himself in the holy of holies when the jews see this event what are they to do exit stage left i forgot the cartoon's name where the guy said this but there was a cartoon years ago where it was exit stage left i would have put him up here but i forgot the the cartoon so who was it? snaggle snagglepuss okay you guys the the old folks know snagglepuss yeah so flee now flee where Now we know flea where, it's to the mountains, code word for Basra, the sheepfold, located in Jordan. Now, have you ever wondered how in the world can these people be be protected from all the technological weapons today? You can go to the mountains and hide all you want. How are they going to be protected? Let me say this, God will supernaturally protect his chosen people, no nukes. No drones, no missiles, no stealth bombers, no special antichrist forces, no sneak attack. Antichrist cannot go there. You know why? God said so. God said so. That's off limits to you. Those areas in Jordan, Ammon, Moab, Edom, off, off charts for you. You can't go there. Now, please note this. Antichrist will become desperate at the end of the tribulation and will attempt to attack the Jews in Basra. When his army is moving from Megiddo, Armageddon, to Basra, the people in Basra feel we're dead. We have no hope. It's at the very end of the tribulation. Jesus will come back and intervene when those people, at their point of abject desperation, plead for Messiah to return and admit their national sin of rejecting Messiah, Jesus will come back and rescue his people before Antichrist gets to Basra. He cannot enter Basra. Now, when this happens, the abomination of desolation, just to review, flee. If you're on the housetops, having a relaxing evening, drinking your tea or your lemonade, Don't go down into the house. Run. Don't go home. Flee. If you're pregnant and nursing, hope that's not you. And if it's on the Sabbath, what's the big deal there? Well, in Israel, everything shuts down. But what about the winter? There's no real winter in Israel. They have some mountains that have some snow on it. What about the winter? And I, I was wondering about that. So I looked in my footsteps of Messiah, and lo and behold, Arnold Fruchtenbaum has an answer to this. And he says... Most of the escape routes will force them to use wadis, which are dry waterbeds that only fill up with flash floods when it rains during the winter months. If the abomination of desolation occurs during the winter months, it'll make the escape towards the east, towards Jordan, towards Petra, much more difficult. So prayer is urged that it will not happen in the winter. So with that settled, now watch what Jesus says the abomination of desolation in verse 21, then he will mention the great tribulation. So when you're looking at the tribulation period, the only thing you see in scripture is the great tribulation. The first three and a half years aren't, aren't included as the great tribulation. Only the three and a half la- latter years are the great tribulation. So let's read what Jesus says in verse 21. For then there will be great tribulation Thalispus crushing, such as not been seen since the beginning of the world, until this time, no nor ever shall be. No other time in the history of the world will it be as bad as this. All the atrocities are minuscule compared to what is coming to this planet. With that, Satan's first target in the Great Tribulation, as we said before, is the woman. The woman. And we wonder, who is the woman? Well, in Revelation 12.1, when we went through our Revelation study, Revelation 12.1, there's a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of 12 stars. And you're doing a study in Revelation, you read that, and you go, what? What does that mean to me? What? I, you know, it, it's one of these impossible things. But you have to allow Scripture to interpret Scripture when you're interpreting symbols in Revelation Other areas of scripture will tell you what these symbols mean. So in Genesis chapter 37, verse 9 through 11, Joseph has a dream. And in that dream, we find out who these actors are. The woman represents Israel, the wife of Jehovah. The sun and the moon are Jacob and Rachel, who happen to be the the ones that bring in the 12 tribes of Israel. The 12 stars are the 12 tribes. Now, I want to repeat this. Satan's target is the woman, Israel. Kill Israel. Now, everyone out here, turn with me to Revelation chapter 12, verse 13 through 17. In the preceding verses, Satan has been thrown to the earth, and all of his demons thrown to the earth. Now, right now, Satan inhabits the atmospheric heavens. You are seeing today more and more activity of UFOs and strange things that are coming into sight. I don't believe in there's life on other planets, folks. I do not. I believe these are demonic entities that are coming out of their sphere in and out of ours. The, the things that they do, there's no laws of physics that describe what they do. Well, he's going to be thrown to earth no longer in the atmospheric heavens in the future. Now, when the dragon, verse 13, saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who was that Israel who gave birth to the male child, Jesus. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly away into the wilderness into her place. And you guys know where that is. That area is called Petra. Let's all say it again. That area is called Petra. That's right, or Basra. You would have had it right either way. Where she is nourished for a time, one year, times, two years, and then a half a time. What is that? Three and a half years, okay, from the presence of the serpent, the devil, It says in chapter 12, where the serpent is. So the serpent spewed water out of his mouth, furious like a flood, an army after the woman chasing Israel that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. He wants to kill them. But the earth helped the woman and the earth opened up its mouth and swallowed up the flood there's a there's an earthquake it splits open army falls in that's the end of Antichrist's army and the dragon was enraged with the woman and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring now who are the offspring those who keep the commandments of god and have the testimony of jesus christ folks these are Jews keep the commandments of God. That's their focus. And those who keep the testimony of Jesus are the tribulation saints. He's going to start slaughtering anybody that has any connection to Jesus God or God. See, the Jews aren't believing in Jesus yet at this point. There's a delineation between those two groups. So that's what's going to happen. Revelation 12, 13 through 17, the target is the woman. Now, I want you to think about these events as they take place. The the Antichrist has the head wound, will die. God will allow the resurrection to occur. Satan is kicked out of heaven. The false prophet will rise up and direct all worship to the Antichrist. The mark of the beast will be enforced. If you do not take the mark, you will die or can't buy or sell. That's the abomination of desolation. All worship goes towards the Antichrist then there'll be the wholesale slaughter of every Jew primarily and every tribulation believer. That is the great tribulation. So for your minds to to absorb this, the great tribulation is great because Jesus said all the emphasis is on killing every Jew possible on earth. Tribulation believers too, but the main focus is kill the Jews So they cannot plead for messiah to come back now this time will be so bad it says in verse 22 that no flesh would be saved alive now take a hard stop right there there's no other time in the history of the world where anybody could say all flesh would be killed on the planet until the advent of nuclear weapons in 1945. And it didn't even happen then. It had to, they had to be developed. And now we have hundreds and hundreds and thousands of times over ways to destroy this planet with nuclear weapons. So it can only apply to 1948, 9, on to our time. So we are in that epoch of time out of this whole history of the world that qualifies for this statement that I'm going to read to you. No flesh shall be saved. Verse 2022. 22, And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. If Satan's rampage continued, every Jew and every tribulation believer, every human on earth would be killed. Jesus then makes an interesting statement. Watch what he says. For the elect's sake, those days will be shortened now the question is who are the elect who are well that was good who said it right there well good job yeah yeah that was that was good who are in this context? yes the believing church are called the elect and the jewish people are called the elect but the church is gone i believe raptured so it seems that the elect are the jewish people the jewish people now I want you to think about something about the tribulation period. The first part of the tribulation, a fourth of the planet, a fourth of population is destroyed. It's been decimated. There's war, pestilence, death of an unimaginable level. In the last half of the tribulation, there's more war, there's more death. Think of the seal, ju- or the, excuse me, the trumpet judgments. I'm just going to give you a little list here. Just think of what's happening. And I think this is near the end of the of the, of the last half of the great tribulation one-third of vegetation is gone now you can't live very long with one-third of the planet's vegetation gone this has to be close to the end one-third of the sea becomes blood one-third of the fresh water is bitter undrinkable one-third of the sun moon and the stars are darkened now that's climate change that's real climate change it's not this thing that we're making up today about climate change Demons are released from the bottomless pit to torment for five months those without the seal of God. And then a demonic army in that sixth trumpet is released and will kill another 1.5 billion people. Now, you tell me what this world is going to look like. And that's before the bold judgments. The worst of all. The worst of all. The entire planet is a giant mess and the carnage is on unfathomable unfathomable if jesus did not return no flesh would be saved alive period he comes back on a rescue mission folks it's a rescue mission to save this planet and save his people the earth will have to be remade folks for for the for the millennial reign he's going to have to redo it somehow for it to be survivable now i want to do some closing here When you're doing prophecy, a lot of stuff is strange. And a lot of people get sick of the strange stuff. You know, we hear about strange stuff just about every week, okay? Strange stuff. Listen to this. This all sounds, uh, this is just my thoughts. This all sounds so far-fetched, impossible. How could something so strange happen? Folks, when I was little, we watched The Twilight Zone. There was something called shock. Theater that came in at eleven o'clock, and you and you stayed up late at night. and You got scared to death, and you couldn't sleep the whole night. <laughs> this is strange to me, folks. This is science fiction stuff that is off the off the charts. But remember, Jesus said these things will take place. That and they will take place. And there's a word for this: a fate accompli, a fate accompli. Watch what it says here. What does that mean, a fait accompli? It's, a, it's, a, it's an idiom. It's an idiom. It means this. If something is a fait accompli, it is, a, it is certain to happen. It is certain to happen. Look, if Jesus tells us that this is going to happen, this is going to happen. Everything that was projected and that was told was going to happen in the past for prophecy has been fulfilled up to this point exactly and precisely. There's literally hundreds of these that have been fulfilled. There is, if it, he said it, it's happening. The strange things will happen. Now, our world today is ordering itself for the strange stuff that is coming. You realize that, don't you? You see our world changing. It, it, we're not going to, there's no normal now. It's all new normal. Our, the, old, the, the old days are gone. The family unit is being Decimated. Good and evil, evil and good, being all confused. There's not a time like this in this country. There's always people know what right and wrong are, and I think they still do. They have the Holy Spirit conviction. Strange stuff. Fifty years ago, it would seem strange science fiction to see some of the things we're seeing, to see the technological advances that we have seen in our lifetime. I cannot imagine Mark and Millie, 101 years old in the late 90s, what they have lived to see. To this day, horse and buggy literally to to, to, to massive technological increases to see the explosion in knowledge, to see the moral freefall of a nation built on Judeo-Christian ethics. Monumental. The moral freefall of a nation. To see a world controlled by fear, manufactured and you just experienced with COVID. And by the way, did you see that Ivermectin now was a successful treatment. Isn't that interesting? They're throwing doctors in jail. They're inhibiting people from getting treatment. How many died? I'm sure they'll be sanctioned here on YouTube or something, but, or Facebook, they're throwing me off, but that's okay. How many died because they wouldn't allow treatment that was successful in a lot of other parts of the world? Think about that. To see the family decimated, No other time in the history of the world has the family been anything other than a mommy and a daddy with babies. Not a daddy, daddy, mommy, mommy babies, but daddy and mommy with babies. And to change the definition of what that is, that is, and be accepted by the culture that is happening today. How about this? To see artificial intelligence, computers taking over the world. And listen to this one. To see human interfacing with computers for more superior intelligence, Elon Musk wants to do this. You'll see the slide here. You see the chip? Is it up there? Boom, chip in the brain. This will interface you with a computer to increase your knowledge and speed of thinking. He wants to be the first one that this is implanted into. Go for it, dude. (laughs) That's all I got to say. Go for it. Folks, that's strange stuff. But you know what else? You have in your hands a supercomputer, a supercomputer. And I thank Lee for interjecting this at the very last second today. He got this into the talk. Thank you, Lee. Today's smartphones are almost a thousand times faster than the mid-80s Cray-2 supercomputer. Several mu- multiples faster than the computer aboard NASA's president. Perseverance rover currently exploring Mars, and perhaps and most significantly faster than the laptops most of us use today. Now, I have a slide here that you've seen come up. Watch this. The Apollo computer, 12,250, 12, whatever these things are, 1.9 million flops, 11 trillion flops, five. This is your phone. You talk about technological explosions. They can, 5,000 times faster than the Cray 2 supercomputer. 900 million times faster than the Apollo 11 guidance computer. Now, is this not technological explosions that we are seeing today? You bet. Listen to what Daniel said several hundred years ago. Daniel 12.4 tells us what to expect. But you, Daniel shut up the words, and seal the book. All this prophetic stuff wasn't for you, Daniel. It's for the future. Until the time of the end, man will run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Let me ask you this. Let me make this statement. Never in the history of the world have humans been faced with such rapid increases in knowledge and the incredible pace of life that we have today. You go to the area, look, we're all guilty. I go to the doctor's office, the dentist. I'm sitting, I check myself in, I sit there for, oh, 10 seconds, might go to 20 seconds, boom, out of my pocket, right around with all the other guys and gals in there. I got my computer on, I'm saying, well, what can I do now? I'm going to occupy my mind with, there's no downtime. There's no downtime with our minds, folks. We're all addicted to this thing. We're all addicted. Our brains are not equipped for the constant bombardment of the strange stuff that's coming at us, information overload. And most of this information is not godly. Granted, you can get good information. From, uh, from different sites. But the masses of people are not accepting or not tuning into godly information, not, not turning into it. Uh, dialogues in Clinical Neuroscience, June 2020, says this. Potential harmful effects of extensive screen time and technology use, use includes heightened attention deficit disorder, impaired emotional and social intelligence, Technology addiction, social isolation, that's what's happened to so many people, isolated to their computers, playing whatever they're doing there, impaired brain development and disrupted sleep. And well, what doesn't stop there? Amen technology says this, leading cognitive neuroscientists have identified, identified new brain disorders linked to society's overdependence on technology. This disorder ranges from separation anxiety. Now, tell me if you haven't had this one. Separation anxiety over misplacing a device. Chris, where's my phone? I can't find my phone. Where's, have you seen my phone? Yeah, how many times have you done that? Or to hearing a phantom ring when no one is calling. I haven't had that one yet, but. (laughs) (laughs) Many of the disorders are accompanied by psychiatric issues, including ADD, attention deficit, Anxiety, OCD, obsessive-compulsive, various type of psychoses, also the compulsive... Now, this happens to just about all of us. The compulsive need to stay connected to the Internet at all times has become a type of addiction for most of us today. That is what's happening. Folks, hear this. Satan is an expert at deception and distraction. If he can keep you distracted from God... He has done his job. We are living in a distracted society. So what are we to do? We are to protect our brains. Now, a person can be distracted many, many ways. I've mentioned video games, but you can watch news. I I would suggest you don't do this 24-7. Tune in to... MSNBC, Fox News, CNN, whatever your choice thing is and just be battered with bad news. Your brain cannot take that. Period. Our neurocircuitry is being affected, folks. One of Satan's in-time strategies is distraction from the things of God. With this massive distraction, could this be the reason that so many are dropping out of church it's usually they, they they say the Millennials the Millennials folks it's not just the Millennials it's the all eels all eels they're all eels we're all dro- they're dropping out in droves folks strange stuff is coming revelation is filled with strange stuff it's happening all around us in an era of distraction strange stuff believers guard your heart Guard your mind, what you're allowing to come in. Guard your life. Be careful what you allow into your mind, the things that will affect your neurocircuitry. I have a picture here of a brain, a brain. The greatest battlefield, folks, is right here, right here, the brain, the brain. We are in a war with who will control the mind. Who will control it? And folks, let me share this with you. There's only two entities in this world. There is God and there is Satan. There's a kingdom of light. There's a kingdom of darkness. There is good. There is evil. There is right. There is wrong. There's no in-between. There is no gray in here. It all, you're either going to be in one kingdom or the other. <laughs> That's the truth. You have to decide, how are you going to live your life? Are you going to be toe-in? That's not going to help you. Toe-in Christianity, you're going to be miserable. It's all in Christianity or none, folks. This is a spiritual war, and it's to be fought at a spiritual level. Again, the greatest battlefield is mind. Now, Our marching orders as children of God. Our marching orders, God to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 and 5. You know this in our spiritual warfare teaching. Watch what it says. For though we walk in the flesh, in this body of mud, we do not war according to the fleshly nature that we have. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, are not fleshly, they won't work, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Strongholds are those long embedded ways that you functioned in your life that have worked for you but have been destructive for you you want to pull those down casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of god and this is the key bringing every thought every thought into captivity to the obedience of christ folks you have been infected with the virus The Satan virus has infected every part of our DNA from the fall. The humanistic virus of I want my way. And the only way to protect you from this virus is take the jab. Take the jab. You know what that jab is? The word of the living God is your jab. That's what your jab is. So what must we do? Bombard your mind with the things of God. To protect you from the strange stuff that's being thrusted upon you. And input daily. I cannot say this. Well, I'm saying it pretty rigidly here. But (laughs) I, I cannot say this with more force or passion. Input daily into your neurocircuitry the word of God. Daily. Daily to protect you from the strange stuff of this fallen world. When you do. Now, when you start inputting this word in. And you start, and your neurocircuitry starts to change. Now, something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. I think this is what what happens. When you input into your neurocircuitry the word of God to protect yourself, when you do this, the world will think that you are strange stuff. Now, look, when they say you're strange stuff, take this as as a compliment and go home and journal and have this great big smiley face up there and say, yes, I'm an alien and a stranger. I am different than this world. I am not meant to fit in here. I am made for another place. That's the truth. So every day, remind yourself of this. You get up in the morning, and I hope you do this. And when your eyes open, the moment your brain gets in contact with your world, immediately, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I praise you for who you are. I might have thrashed all night long, but I'm praising you that it's morning. I thank you for what's ahead of me today. I love you. I ask you to be with me. And just praise him and just pray to him. Just for a moment. Start your day right there. And then remind yourself, dear self. Dear self. Just tell yourself. Protect your mind from the strange stuff. Read the word, Rick. Read the word today. I don't feel like it. Yeah, well, that's too bad. That's too bad. Daily, stay connected to the true God And might I say, stay connected to God's people. People are healthier emotionally, spiritually, physically when they stay connected to a group. And I would suggest you stay connected to God's people. This is the only way to protect your mind and your being from strange stuff. Let's pray. Father, I give you thanks for this day. Thank you for this time that you've allowed to study your word. Lord, I admit that when I'm looking at this book of Revelation and I think of what Daniel saw and I think of what what John saw on the island of Patmos and all this stuff that's coming our way, I go, whoa, this is weird. This is beyond the ability to comprehend. But you warned us and you told us this was coming and you are 100% accurate on everything that you've told us. And we can extrapolate from that This will happen on schedule, as you say, Lord, right now, I pray that if anybody here does not know you as their savior, that today would be the day. This would be the moment that they say, I am tired of living in this strange world that is running from God, and I want to come into the family of God, and it's the easiest thing in the world to say, Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I place my trust in you As my Savior, that you take all of my sins, you wash me white as snow. If you do that and believe and receive the gift of salvation, you will be saved. The kingdom of God is your destiny, not hell. If you don't do this, hell is your destiny. Do this now, do not put it off. Behold, today is the day of salvation. Believe and receive the gift. Thank you for this time together, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.